0: Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to up-level your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hello, welcome to episode 59 of the Money Love Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about financial self-care. And if you tuned in to last week's episode, you know that we talked about financial self-sabotage last week. And I did mention in that episode that I believe that the opposite of self-sabotage is self-care. So just to give you a quick recap of last week, since we're talking about the inverse of self-sabotage, which is self-care this week, I want to remind you that self-sabotage is action-based. And it's actions that we take that move us farther away from where we are wanting to get to. Or it can also be the avoidance of actions that would take us closer to where we want to be. So self-sabotage can either be actions that we take or inaction, actions that we don't take. Now, I also want to remind you that self-sabotage is caused by our fear of feeling. And most specifically, our fear of feeling a future emotional state. So instead of moving forward and feeling that discomfort in the future that we know will come when we are evolving into our fullest potential, we self-sabotage in the moment. Again, primarily as a result of our fear of feeling that future state of discomfort. Now, we talked a lot last week about misconceptions around self-sabotage. And we're going to be doing the same thing this week with self-care, because I also believe that consumer culture has convinced us that self-care is something that it really isn't. So because of that, I'm really excited to do this episode today all about self-care to really clear up those misconceptions that some of you might hold about self-care. And I can also say that I used to hold about self-care. So like I said, self-care is the opposite of self-sabotage. So if self-sabotage is engaging in activities that move us farther away from our desired result, then self-care is the opposite of that. It's engaging in activities that move us closer to our desired result. Self-sabotage is avoidance. It's avoiding the activities that we don't want to do, that we know will bring discomfort, and self-care is doing those activities despite the discomfort that you feel. It's saying, I know I don't feel like doing this, but I don't always have to feel like it. I'm going to do it anyways. I think that if you were just to ask a random person on the street to describe self-care to you, if you ask them the question, hey, what is your idea of self-care? You would probably get an answer that sounds a lot like this. They would say that self-care is naps and watching Netflix and relaxing and unwinding after a long day with a glass of wine. It's brunch, it's manicures, it's massages, it's a bubble bath, it's lighting a candle. Now, this is one of my favorite examples, right? When I think about how we all culturally have been programmed to think about self-care, I always think about Parks and Rec, the show Parks and Recreation. Tom and Donna and how they have their annual Treat yourself day. Okay. It's the best day of the year. So, P.S. I absolutely love Parks and Rec. Like, it is one of my all time favorite shows. I've probably watched every episode all the way through, probably at least three or four times. Leslie Nope is my spirit animal. But if you are not a Parks and Rec fan or if you've never seen the show, there is a popular scene where two of the characters in the show talk about how one day of the year they have a day that they call Treat Yourself Day. Which is where they go and they treat themselves to all of the things. So there's a really popular scene where they're saying, Clothes, treat yourself, fragrances, treat yourself, massages, treat yourself, mimosas, treat yourself, fine leather goods, treat yourself, right? Now, of course, as a Parks and Rec fan, it's absolutely one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite episodes. But when I think about as a culture, how we think about self care, this is the most obvious example to me. Consumer culture wants us to believe. That self care involves all of these things. And most of the time, it involves us spending money. Now, here's my disclaimer right off the bat. Okay. I do not want this episode to be misconstrued that I'm saying that any of these things are bad. I mean, trust me, I have just listed off some of my absolute favorite things. There is nothing that I love more than a good mimosa at brunch with my friends. It's hard to beat a good bubble bath. I am all for relaxing and taking it easy when you need it. But this is the big distinction. I think that the self care that we have been taught is go ahead, make all these decisions that really aren't in your best interest. They're not in your mental or emotional best interest. They're not in your physical best interest. They're not in your financial best interest. But just go ahead and do them because they provide an escape to your life and you can escape from feeling your emotions that you don't want to feel. I think something to really spend some time thinking about is is this going to help me solve the underlying problem in some way? Or when I come back from doing this thing, is the problem still going to be there? And I was just escaping the problem and getting temporary mental relief from it. So let me give you a very clear example. This doesn't have anything to do with money. This is a very clear example in my life that I can look back and see that I was doing something that I thought was self-care. It was veiled in this self-care idea that we've all bought into, but really at the core of it, it was not self-care. So when we lived in Houston, we had a big bathtub in our house, and I got into the habit of taking a lot of baths to relax. Like I said, I love taking baths. For me, few things in life beat a good bath. But what started to happen is that I would start taking baths in the middle of the day. Like at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, I would just take a bath. Now, This was when I was working from home, which is why I was able to just take a bath at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. But here's what usually would end up happening when I would do this. I would come to a point in my day where it came time to do something for work or for my business that I did not want to do. Maybe I needed to make a presentation. Maybe I needed to make a phone call I didn't want to make. Maybe I needed to outline a podcast episode, whatever it was. But instead of doing the thing that was on my calendar... Instead of honoring my time and doing what I said I was going to do, I would go take a bath. Now, in those moments, I remember telling myself, oh, I'm so stressed. It's been a long day. I'm tired. I got to decompress, blah, 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 blah. So I would go take an hour long bath and then I wouldn't get the thing done that I needed to get done. And in those moments, I was actually convincing myself that that was self care and that the bubble bath at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday was necessary. But I realize now that that wasn't actually self care. That was escapism, it was avoidance, and it was procrastination. That was self sabotage in the form of a bubble bath. Because really, taking a bath wasn't what was best for me in that moment. And when my bath was over, the problem still existed. I still had to go do the presentation or make the call or do the podcast outline. I just now had delegated that task to a future moment, and I had prolonged the discomfort that ultimately I was trying to escape by taking the bath. And this is exactly what we were talking about last week with self-sabotage, right? You're just delaying the discomfort that you're going to feel instead of just pushing through the discomfort and solving the problem in the moment. So most people would look at a bubble bath and think, oh, that's self-care. You're relaxing. You're decompressing. But it was actually the motivation behind the bubble bath that turned something that could be a form of self-care into a form of self-sabotage for me. So do you see the difference here? This isn't saying that every time you watch Netflix or every time you take a nap or go get a manicure or go shopping for a new outfit, that you're self-sabotaging and that it's not actually a form of self-care. All of these things can be self-care, but they can also be self-sabotage. What differentiates the two really is the intention behind why you're doing it and really being honest with yourself of, okay, is this an activity that is in my best interest in this moment? And if you are simply trying to escape, if you're trying to avoid and procrastinate, if you're going to create a deeper net negative consequence in your life, and it's not really making the problem less of a problem, it's more likely self-sabotage than a form of self-care. So I want to be clear that it's not the action in and of itself that makes it self-care or not, but rather it's your thoughts and your feelings and your intention behind why you are doing the action. What I want you to do is think of self-care as making decisions that are in your best interest. And yes, Sometimes that looks like a bubble bath if you really need one and it's going to help you relax and truly decompress if it's really going to help solve the problem. But just as importantly, self care is not avoiding your life and it's not over pleasuring yourself to feel better. It's not doing what feels best in this moment for the expense of the thing that you want most in the future. And here is the punchline for today's episode. If you've drifted off, come back to me. You need to hear that self-care doesn't always feel good. Self-care doesn't always feel good. And this is the biggest difference between the self-care that consumer culture wants to sell you and the way I want you to be thinking about self-care. I don't want you falling into the trap that self-care is always going to feel good, especially, especially financial self-care. Because oftentimes financial self-care will not feel good. And we'll be talking about that later on in the episode. Self-care is doing what is best for yourself in the long term. And that is simply just not how your brain is wired to operate. Your caveman brain runs the show most of the time. And that part of your brain is designed to be seeking pleasure in the short term, even if it's going to cost you something in the long run. But true self-care is avoiding the false pleasure in the short term so that you can get the result that you want most in the future. When you are engaging in true self-care, it means that you are taking care of yourself and doing the thing that's in your best interest, even if, and especially when it's challenging and when it doesn't feel good. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing to prioritize myself and my future even when it's hard and even when I don't feel like it in the moment? Because that is true self-care. So what I've done is I have taken self-care and I have broken it down into four sub-self categories, so to speak. We're going to walk through each. And like always, these can be applied to any area of your life, but we're also going to take each one and talk about how each fits within the realm of financial self-care. And you will notice that these will look a lot different than the self-sabotaging behaviors that we talked about last week. But all of these things are a form of self-care. And again, all of these probably will not involve the traditional forms of self-care that you're used to hearing about. So here are the four sub-self categories. We have self-awareness, self competence, self-accountability, and self-love. So let's start with the first one. Like I said, we're going to go through all four, but the first is self-awareness. And I put this one first because this is at the foundation of all of the other ones. This self-awareness part is how we differentiate whether we are engaging in self-care activities or self-sabotaging activities. Remember that I said it's not necessarily the action in and of itself that makes something self-care or not. It's the intention and the motivation behind it which is where having a good sense of self-awareness comes in. Self-awareness is being conscious over your thinking and conscious over your emotional state. It's pulling yourself out of that subconscious cruise control that so often we're running in, where we default to making a lot of the unhealthy and unproductive actions that ultimately are self-sabotage. Self-awareness can come from many, many things. It can come from thought work, it can come from meditation. It can come from journaling or doing a thought download. It can come from praying. It can come from going to therapy and processing through any past trauma or dysfunction that you're experiencing. And one of my favorite personal forms of self awareness is getting coached. I gain so much self awareness over what's going on in that brain of mine and really tuning into where I am emotionally by getting coached. I get coached every single week for about 45 minutes on a variety of topics, but sometimes I will say things in a coaching session where I'm getting coached and I'm just like, whoa, like I did not even realize that I was thinking about it that way because that thought was buried so deep and it was so subconscious and bringing those thoughts to the surface and gaining that level of self-awareness within yourself is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Self-awareness is what allowed me to look at those past decisions to take the bubble bath in the middle of the day and realize, oh, wait, I'm not actually trying to relax and decompress because in that moment, that's not really what I needed. I didn't need to go take an hour-long bath in that moment. I was actually just trying to avoid the discomfort and I was trying to procrastinate on something that I didn't really want to do. And so the self-awareness is where we really tap into the difference between self-sabotage and self-care. And listen, again, please don't misunderstand me that I'm saying that every time you take a relaxing bath or take a nap or get a massage that you're self-sabotaging. Not what I'm saying at all, but you have to be honest with yourself here, again, gaining that self-awareness and ask yourself, is this bubble bath or massage needed it because it will really help me and serve me in this moment? Or am I just using this as another form of buffering and a way to avoid processing an emotion that I don't really want to feel? In a sense, am I trying to pull the veil over my eyes to make this seem like this is productive and helpful when I know it's really not? And there's a big difference between the two. And I hope that you guys are seeing the difference. And now that you know the difference, you can work on your self-awareness by being honest with yourself in the moment on what's actually going on. Self-awareness is realizing that your brain and your mind is your most valuable asset and it's taking steps to invest in your mind. It's the realization that your mind and your thoughts and your beliefs are more valuable than any money or any material possessions that belong to you because your internal becomes your external. Your thoughts will become reality. And so making sure that A, you are paying attention to those thoughts and you know what they are, and you know how they are creating the results that you're seeing in your life, and B, you are putting in the effort and energy to managing those thoughts, and you are replacing those limiting beliefs that you have with liberating truths. That is self-awareness. Self-awareness is also feeling your emotions. It's being in emotional intelligence and emotional integrity with yourself. It's knowing that life is 50-50, and with that knowledge, giving yourself permission to not feel happy and wonderful and confident and motivated 100% of the time, and also not using that negative emotion as a signal that something has gone wrong or that there's anything wrong with you. So really in practice, self-awareness looks like taking care of your mind, investing in your mind, making sure it's getting the attention and the energy it warrants. It's getting cleaned out. I always like to say your mind is like your house. You would never just clean out your house one time And then expect for it to just stay clean forever. That's how your mind is. You're going to go in, you're going to clean it out, you're going to sift through it, but that needs to be happening on a consistent basis. It's not a one and done process. But it also looks like processing through your emotions and feelings rather than trying to escape them with buffering and overpleasuring yourself and then telling yourself that that is self-care, okay? Having a deep level of self-awareness is the truest and most profitable form of self-care. Now, the next self subcategory that is a form of self-care is self-confidence. I won't spend a ton of time on this one because I've already done an entire episode on self-confidence with money. That is episode 38 that you can go listen to after this one. But if you've listened to that episode, you will remember that I talk about that self-confidence is your confidence in your ability to get the ability. And I talk about how none of us start out confident with money or with our finances or really with anything that is new to us. And that's because we've never done it before. And confidence in a skill builds as we do the skill more and more and more. But self-confidence is different than being confident in your ability to perform a skill or a task because self-confidence doesn't come from any actions that you take. Self-confidence comes from within you. And it's knowing that although you don't know how to do something yet, you know that you have the ability to get the ability. You are assured that you are smart enough, you are strong enough, you are capable enough to figure anything out. And having a deep level of self-confidence in yourself is key when it comes to financial self-care. And I think that so many women are holding themselves back from reaching their full financial potential because- They don't feel confident in this area of money. And frankly, they are looking outside of themselves for all of the answers because they believe that they don't have the ability, or they aren't smart enough, or savvy enough, or responsible enough to figure out all this money stuff. And so then, guess what happens? They don't. Remember how I keep telling you that your beliefs manifest themselves and will ultimately create your results. This is a big area where this happens, is a lack of self-confidence. Having a deep level of self-confidence in yourself, knowing that you have the ability to get the ability, is one of the truest forms of self-care. It's having your own back. It's owning the fact that you are smart, you are powerful, you are capable, you are responsible. Self-confidence is your armor in allowing yourself not to buffer in the confusion, not to buffer in the doubt, the overwhelm, the I don't know's all of those indulgent emotions that we've talked about that keep us so stuck and keep us from taking action. Because when you have self-confidence in yourself, you can take action despite all of those things. It's saying, I know this isn't going to be pretty. There's going to be bumps and bruises, ups and downs. I'm going to fall on my face a couple of times, but I know I'm capable of handling it. That is self-confidence. And self-confidence is what allows us to embrace the discomfort that so many people spend their lives running away from because they aren't sure of themselves and their ability to handle that discomfort. Now, if you feel like you are struggling with self-confidence, and that is an area that you would like to work on, again, I encourage you to go listen to episode 38. There is a lot of really great tangible advice in that episode that you can start implementing to increase your levels of self-confidence. Now, the third sub, self-category, Is self accountability. And you guys, this one is so big, especially with financial self care. Self accountability is basically doing what you say that you're going to do. So when you say that you're going to sit down at 3 p.m. and write the podcast outline, you don't go and take a bubble bath. I see now in those moments how ultimately that was a form of self sabotage because I wasn't being accountable to what I said I was going to do and what I had planned out for myself. Now, when it comes to finances, this looks like when you tell yourself that you're going to put away 15% of your paycheck for your future self to be able to live off of in retirement, you do that. You don't then go take the money and go on a shopping spree. Your budget, your spending plan, your money map, whatever you want to call it, is your financial self-accountability roadmap. It's you saying ahead of time, this is what I'm going to spend my money on this month, and then you actually do that. You stick to the plan. You manage your money in the way that you said that you were going to. Because again, when you're planning it out ahead of time, you're making a plan that is in your long-term best interest. Now, I will say, of course, that self-accountability could be the most challenging out of the four of these. Doing what you say that you're going to do, I realize, is much harder said than done. I know it. I acknowledge it. I am certainly not perfect 100% of the time. I recognize how challenging it can be. We make these future plans with our prefrontal power, right? The human part of our brain that has our best interest in mind. We tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to put away 15% of each paycheck for retirement. But then of course, in the moment, your lizard brain is always chasing that dopamine hit. It doesn't want you to do what is best for the long term. It simply just wants you to do what feels best in this moment. It doesn't care about the future consequences of that. It just wants to go shopping. It just wants to spend that money and experience the short-lived high that we receive from the dopamine that we get when we spend money. But self-accountability is sticking to the plan even when it's hard, even when you don't want to, even when your brain is screaming at you to do something else. Now, remember how I said that self-care doesn't always feel good? And self-accountability is probably the area where it feels the worst and where it is the hardest to actually follow through. This is the area where it almost never feels good to actually do it, like I said, because of how our brains are wired. But the recognition of this, knowing that you're going to feel tempted to give in to that instant gratification, knowing that you're not always going to feel motivated Knowing that you're going to feel that low vibration discomfort, but you can plan for it to be there ahead of time, that is self-accountability. Another episode that I will recommend to you if you're wanting to dive deeper here is episode 20, which is all about self-accountability and self-discipline. And if you are someone who is struggling with self-accountability, you make the plan, but then you don't follow through on the plan, go listen to that episode, episode 20, right after this one. Just like the self-confidence episode, it's going to give you a lot of tangible advice on how you can strengthen your self-accountability and financial discipline muscles so that those become stronger and you start to follow through more. Now, the last sub self-category that is a form of self-care is self-love. This one is also so huge in the money space because we tend to be really hard on ourselves when we make a financial decision that we're not happy with or that we're not proud of. When we make a decision with our finances that we feel that we shouldn't have made. And self-love is having your own back. It's loving yourself no matter what. It's talking to yourself in a kind way. It's developing and practicing a productive and powerful self-concept about yourself. I think that all of the other self subcategories that we've talked about all feed into this one, the last one of self-love. Because when you're self-aware and you have a good understanding of yourself and you know yourself on a deep level, when you're confident in your skills and ability, when you can consistently show yourself that you have your own back and you can trust yourself and rely on yourself to do what you said you were going to do, all of these things feed into you having a strong sense of self-love. Now, from a financial sense, here is what I see a lot with women in financial decisions and the choices that they make that they aren't necessarily proud of. They are so unkind and so cruel to themselves. I hear them say things like, I'm an idiot. I'm a hot mess. I can't seem to get my life together. I'm too stupid to figure this out. I'm not responsible enough to manage this properly. It's just so many awful thoughts about themselves. Their financial self-concept is not one that is strong or healthy. But one of my favorite ways to facilitate and to create more self-love for myself is any time that I find myself beating myself up about a decision, I like to move into an emotional space where I'm feeling very curious and compassionate towards myself. I move away from the criticism, and I move into curiosity. For example, maybe you're feeling really guilty about getting yourself into $10,000 of credit card debt. Now, I understand how it might seem helpful to you to beat yourself up, because if you punish yourself enough, you might think that that will help you avoid doing that again in the future. But the reality is, it just creates the opposite result, and it's not at all helpful. It just creates more negative emotion for you which more than likely will cause you to keep racking up the credit card debt because you will continue to buffer away the compounded negative emotion that ultimately you are creating for yourself. So instead, what we can do is we can shift from the place of criticism to a place of curiosity, and we can start looking at it from the lens of okay, what was I thinking and what was I feeling? When I was spending this money that I didn't have, when I was overspending, spending the money was my action, but what were the thoughts and the emotions that preceded that action? And that helps us go back to the first self subcategory of self-awareness. And once you have that self-awareness that you've gained from being in a curious mindset, you can then shift into the compassion and the self-love piece of the equation. One of my favorite things to believe, I really hope that this is a key point that you can take away from this episode and from this self-love topic, because it really helps me so much have love and compassion for my past self and the decisions that she has made, is that I truly believe to my core that everyone is taking action from a place of thinking that they're doing what's best for them in that moment. So in the moment when you were racking up the credit card debt and you were spending the money, you probably had what you thought was a good reason in mind, even if that reason was simply that you thought that it would make you feel better. Maybe you were just confused. You thought that feeling better came from buying things. And now you know that that's not true. So now you're going to change your mind, but you're not going to hate your past self for the decisions that she made with the information that she thought was true in that moment, right? So you're going to say, you know what? In the past, I was just confused about where my feelings came from. I thought that they came from buying things. Now I know that's not true. I can see how confused I was. I get it. But I still love me anyways. I love that I've now gotten to this point, and now I know the truth about where feelings truly come from, that it doesn't come from buying things. And now I get to go on this journey of getting out of debt, and I'm going to grow through that process. How can I do that now? I just want you to see how much better that self-love, that curiosity and compassion feels than, I'm an idiot. I screwed this up. I'm a hopeless disaster. It's this shift from beating yourself up to seeking understanding of yourself and genuinely caring and loving yourself no matter what. I've given this analogy in a past episode, but I'm going to tell you it again because it's one of my absolute favorites. If you are struggling with self-love, particularly beating yourself up over decisions that your past self has made, this is how I want you to think about it. I like to think of decisions that I've made in the past that I wouldn't choose again, like the outfits that I used to wear 10 years ago. Find a picture of yourself from 10, 15 years ago, and I can guarantee you whatever it is that you're wearing in that picture is probably not something that you would be wearing today. You would probably see it, you'd probably be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that in that moment, I thought that looked good, I thought that looked cool. But you're not evaluating that past outfit choice with hate and disgust and loathing. It's kind of cheeky. It's like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that I actually thought that that looked good. Now, of course, it's not a decision that you would remake today, but you can also think back to your past self 10 or 15 years ago, And remember her in that moment and how she really did believe in that moment that that was the best choice based on the information that she had at the time, based on where she was in her life, based on her goals and priorities. You can understand why in that moment she made that decision, even if it's not a choice that you would remake today. So if you are wanting to do more work on self-love, you find that you're pretty hard on yourself when it comes to past decisions that you've made. Another episode that you can listen to is episode 45. It's called Money Mistakes. And in that episode, we really dive into past money mistakes, what they are, what they look like, how to solve them, and most importantly, how to love yourself through the process of solving them. So that is self-care. It's not what we are all conditioned to think by the consumer culture that we live in. Self care isn't over pleasuring yourself. It's not running away from yourself or abandoning yourself. It's the opposite, actually. It's having a deep level of self awareness over your thoughts and your emotions and allowing yourself to feel those emotions and not making it mean anything has gone wrong with your life. And there certainly is nothing wrong with you. It's being confident in your ability to get the ability. It's a deep knowing that you are smart enough capable enough, strong enough, responsible enough to build and manage wealth that you are destined to create. It's planning your life ahead of time. It's being in your prefrontal power and it's owning the future as your property. It's making a plan and then it's sticking to that plan as much as you can. And then lastly, it's also having love for yourself when things don't go according to the plan or when the self-accountability falls short. It's tapping back into that self-awareness, being curious about what's really going on, why it happened, and then it's shifting out of criticism into compassion and love for yourself. That is true self-love, my friends. And listen, if the baths and the manicures and the massages and the mimosas are part of that journey because they are actually serving you and they are helping you move in the direction that you want to be going, then even better. Those things simply just get to be the cherry on top. But please don't be buffering in the false pleasures and then justifying it to yourself by telling yourself that it's self-care when it's really not self-care. Remember, whether something is self-care or not is the intention behind it. Something that is self-care for me might not be self-care for you and vice versa. But you need to be the ultimate judge of that. You need to be paying attention to what's going on. You need to be confident that you can create any result that you want by making a plan and sticking to that plan. And it's also having mad love for yourself along the way, no matter what happens. All right. That is what I have for self-care. I really hope that you guys have enjoyed the past two weeks of us diving into these two topics of self-sabotage and self-care. They are sister topics because they are really two sides of a coin. And I hope that they've been impactful to you. Please make sure to tune in next week, next Tuesday, because we are actually going to be starting a new series on the podcast that's going to take us through the month of November that I am so excited about. It's going to be getting us all ready for the holiday spending season that is fast approaching. We're going to be diving into spending money, what happens psychologically when you're exposed to a sale, what makes us buy. So many cool and interesting things. It's going to be really fun, really impactful. So, that is what's to come for the next couple of weeks. The last thing I'm going to ask before we sign off is if you have two minutes, would you please leave a review of the show if you have not yet? If you are a regular listener of the podcast, you get value, you tune in each week. It would mean so much to me if you went to the show on Apple, leave a five star review of the show. It really does help just tell Apple, hey, People are liking this podcast, they're enjoying it, which means it just suggests it to more people. It really does help the show go strong. And I think you guys will be excited to hear that come next year, in 2022, I am actually going to be starting a giveaway process with reviews on the podcast. I am going to be doing a giveaway every single month for people who leave reviews of the podcast. And so... Anyone who has left a review in the past will automatically be entered into those giveaways every single month. So if you wanna go ahead and just do that now so that you're ready to go for that giveaway process that I'm gonna be doing every single month come 2022, just go ahead and get in on that so that you're ready to go. And I will be sharing more about that early next year. All right, you guys, love you all so much. Have a fantastic week. Don't be shy about sharing the show. Tag me. Let me know what content and what episodes you're liking so I can make sure to create more of that. Have an amazing week. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I wanna invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long you'll have money back in your pocket you will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun the best part is it's 100 risk-free you have a lifetime to implement My Proven Process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.